This episode of the Best Seats Podcast is brought to you by, well, you. To learn how you can support the show, go to thebestseats.com slash Patreon. Once there, you'll learn how you can get early access to shows, ad-free listening, the ability to submit questions, comments, concerns, and more. Once again, that's thebestseats.com slash Patreon. But enough of that. On to the show. What's up, everybody? Hello and welcome to the first ever episode 48 of the Best Seats Podcast, the only podcast bringing you interviews with some of the most talented folks in and around the hospitality industry for Southern California and beyond each and every episode. I'm your host, Crawford McCarthy, founder of The Best Seats. Thank you, as always, to my friend, Allie Coyle, who provides music for the show. You can find her work at AllieCoyleMusic.com. And as a reminder, if you enjoy the show, please be sure to leave a rating and or a review. It helps other folks discover it, no matter what platform you're on. And go to TheBestSeats.com for more content just like this. First and foremost, don't forget that you can get early ad-free listening to every single episode of The Best Seats Podcast, as well as the video a series that I do every week called The Pass, as well as a bunch of other content over at patreon.com slash the best seats. I am very excited for this episode. Uh, this episode is going to be a fun one because most of the people that I talk to are directly within the hospitality industry, um, unless they're making like you know liquor, things like that, wines. Obviously, those go into the hospitality industry, but a lot of the people that I talk to are chefs, beverage directors, you know, people like that that work in that day to day. Uh, my guest today is Jason Coe. He's the owner of AAA Liquor License Consulting. He works outside and with restaurants to do, as his company suggests, liquor license consulting. And I think that liquor licenses are deeply <laughs> fascinating is not the right word because it's a bureaucratic piece of paper that basically says you're allowed to sell booze. But it's interesting. It's a major aspect of every restaurant. And especially with everything going on right now, you know, this is being recorded you know, middle of April with cocktails to go with people just kind of emerging from the pandemic. Liquor licenses are a big deal. Obviously, there's people that were open during the pandemic. They were suspended. Their liquor license could have been suspended. Maybe they had fines. You know, maybe people opened restaurants. Jason helps with all of that. He helps make sure that you can sell beer, wine, booze, whatever you want to sell. He works on behalf of restaurants to work with ABC, to work with municipalities, to work with local officials, to make sure that you get a green light to let people imbibe in your business. It's a deeply fascinating topic that I think is wildly misunderstood by a lot of people. Maybe they just don't have time for it. Maybe they don't care. I'm not sure. But it's something that every restaurateur and somebody who is interested in restaurants should know about, at least in some aspect. So I'm very happy to sit down with Jason today, drop a little bit of knowledge. Um, We recorded this one over Zoom. He's up in Los Angeles. I'm in Orange County. I wasn't able to make it up there. I'm so grateful for his time to sit down and educate a little bit on what the process is like, what his day-to-day is like, you know, kind of the wild, wild west that's coming. It's fascinating. So I hope that you enjoy. I'm not going to waste any more time. Let's jump right into episode 48 of the Best Seats Podcast with my guest, owner of AAA Liquor License Consulting, Jason Coe. Jason, 
Jason, thanks for taking the time, brother. I'm so fired up to have you on the show. Um, the majority of these podcasts have been hospitality focused in the aspect of having chefs on, having restaurateurs, beverage directors, things like that. But I haven't had that many guests on to speak to the business side of things, and especially sure. somebody with your expertise speaking to what I think is going to be a very big emerging topic as we start to reopen, which is liquor licenses. Before we yeah. dive into any questions and stuff like that, would you mind introducing yourself and giving a little bit of your background and what you do? Yeah, absolutely. So uh, I own AAA Liquor License Consulting. It is a consulting firm that specializes in ABC paperwork, ABC transfers, acquisition of licenses, breweries, restaurants, liquor stores, nightclubs. I mean, anything that acquires a liquor license or retains one, I'm, I'm doing. Uh, I've been doing this for almost 20 years now. I started before I was even legally allowed to drink. It was my first job as an intern and I've been doing it ever since. And so it's, uh, it's worked out well <laughs> and I enjoy it very much. It's, uh, I think for me, the, the most important thing is in this industry is a lot of, a lot of restaurants tend to be backed by families or their, their own, you know, the person who's running it, it's kind of their own fundraising and being able to help a small business owner kind of flourish in seeing their goals and reaching their goals and opening up their restaurant and serving the people. That to me is where I get my greatest satisfaction outside of just trying to transact for for money purposes you know so i tend to like to deal with the mom and pops rather than the big corps but if big corps need help i'm available for that as well so you know that's kind of where my principles lie as far as my business and consulting firm goes so the obvious question that i got to start with is coming out of 2020 what the hell was that like for you from the standpoint i mean because there were so many things changes with regards to liquor licenses obviously we emerged having cocktails to go there were different package container laws things like that what was 2020 oh, yeah. like from your standpoint so 2020 you know like obviously we knew that the pandemic like there was this virus coming out in late january february and really we didn't understand the severity of it so you know restaurants and bars and abc was running normal you know nothing was like no shutdowns or anything and then once the shutdown hit uh all of that changed the restaurant industry and more so the bars got hit the hardest because there was restaurants could do the outdoor dining bars were stuck with no outside alcohol consumption and if you didn't have a food truck or a food lessee is what the abc calls it you couldn't operate your bar and so ultimately what ended up happening is once the first shutdown went pricing for licenses dropped people were going out of business left and right landlords were like hey we'll give you as much time as you can but after a certain point landlords too are going to want their rent and it was this cycle of kind of i hate to say it like cycle of death almost you know what i mean where it trickled downwards to where all the way to the employees were affected you know and so getting out of that pandemic you know the first the first wave of it was like okay and then the second wave hit and people were starting to open up and then once they shut that down again that's really when the restaurants and the bars took their biggest hits was the second shutdown the first shutdown the ppp loans came in people were able to survive it once the second one hit it was like death all over the place and then all these licenses became available pricing had dropped on the value of these full liquor licenses no buyers sellers were desperate to get money out of these things and actually recently with the government opening everything back up it's blown up now the demand is through the roof but 2020 was dire needs and that's why abc had situated things to where you could do cocktails to go for restaurants because they're trying to find avenues for these restaurateurs to make some kind of revenue through sales because people couldn't go in and eat but i gotta tell you even with the cocktails to go and things like that you weren't making your mark. You know, yeah. restaurants were not hitting their quotas, things like that. Really, the only businesses that had thrived through 2020 in the pandemic were the liquor stores because they were, quote unquote, essential. 
and everyone and their mother couldn't go outside to drink or go to a restaurant. So what are you going to do? You're going to go to the liquor store. You're going to get your booze and you're going to make your drinks at home. Yep. You know, uh, where the smart restaurant tours capitalized is they made their famous drinks, you know, their popular drinks at their restaurants. And like you said, bottled them, labeled them. And they're like, okay, you can get, you know, Puesto Margarita to go. And those guys who were able to capitalize on that were able to make some money. But now, of course, with everything kind of peeling back, all the restaurateurs want to go, well, can we still do that? And at some point, ABC is going to be like, uh-uh, because the chaos in giving alcoholic beverages to go, the PD is going to be like, whoa, wait a second. Now we're going to have all these DUIs increasing. <laughs> and things. So it's, like, it's a whole political tra- you know, trail of, of, yeah. of bullshit, pardon my French, that kind of ensues with these you know, with the pandemic and with these liquor license laws that are being adjusted. I mean, what ABC allowed to for restaurants and bars or well, bars that had a food lessee was they could expand their footprint. So if your premise is 10 by 10, they're allowing you to now expand into your parking lot and put tables there and eat and drink. And a lot of people spent a lot of money, as you know, to build out these big patios in the parking lots and things like that. ABC at some point is going to peel all those back and say, no, now you got to operate back on your normal footprint. A lot of the restaurateurs are like, how do we keep these footprints here? Because it's obviously added seating, added revenue, things like that. That's where we're at right now. It's when is ABC going to peel everything back to where restaurateurs are going to have to operate normally? And I think that's going to happen when government opens everything up 100%. You can go in, eat, full capacity, all of that. They're going to start to peel these COVID restriction or COVID rules that they've applied in 2020 to not applying them in 2021. probably the past 10 episodes or so again we're creeping up on 50 episodes of this podcast which is wild to think about for me but probably the past 10 or so the number one question that i've asked everybody is what changes from 2020 need to stick around to be beneficial and everybody has said outdoor dining spaces and cocktails to go you're you sound fairly confident that now again when things are supposedly opening back up here in california at the time of this recording the last you know, publication to come out of the governor's office was June 15th outside of masks and social distancing recommendations. June 15th is pretty much that hard date for everything to open. You sound pretty damn convinced that June 15th, those things are going to peel back. What is there a driving force from your mind on why the ABC wants to do it? Is it purely that fear of like litigation and polit- in politics? Yeah, I, I would tell you, honest to God, the, the more, the more that PD has to be out you know, kind of governing these things and watching people drinking and drinking, it costs money, right? And so, of course, our government loves to tax all of us small business owners, right? And a lot of them happen to be restaurateurs. Uh, and then in return, they're not giving any relief for these guys. So what happens is the PD, the government doesn't want to expend more money to regulate these things, to regulate drinking and driving and things like that, which those will inevitably increase if you're doing cocktails to go. What is stopping someone from picking up a, a margarita and opening in their car to eat it with their taco and drive home, right? So, like, the government looks at it from that standpoint of, like, that's fucking dangerous, you know? Again, I don't know if I can curse the podcast. <laughs> oh, you can come, no, 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 you're good. Yeah, you say whatever that's, you want. That's the reality the of, it, of it is that it's like, you and again, it's, I think during COVID, because no one was really allowed out, right? You, If you're driving your car, you technically could get arrested. Why are you out? Is it essential travel, this, yeah. that, and the other? So, people, when they pick up something like a alcohol or food to go, and drinks, they're kind of supposed to just go straight home with it. But now that things open back up, if you're going to give me a cocktail to go, I want to drink it in my car. And be like, All right, let's roll over to the next bar. <laughs> you know, or like instead of like instead of like uh, pre-gaming at a bar, you're like, well, why don't we just pre-game in the parking lot, <laughs> you know, and then go to the next spot? So I think the government's going to look at it from a standpoint of how much it's going to cost them to have to watch over all of that. 
you know? And my thing is, is that it's not, I don't think it's going to be a hard Jan, June 15th that they're going to say, peel everything back. I think I would like to think ABC would give the grace period of a few months to allow these businesses to recoup some of their losses yeah. by doing that to go. Just based off my experience in dealing with ABC, I don't see how it's even humanly possible that they're going to allow cocktails to go and outdoor dining to continue to expand. Again, you're taking over parking lots, right, with this outdoor expansion. So if you're taking over parking lots, now there's less parking, you know, public parking. What's going to happen then on the streets when those cars then go into there? It's just you see how this trickle, you know, this effect kind of trickles upwards now to where the city, let's say La Jolla, is going to be like, dude, we don't have enough parking. If we, if we allow all these restaurants to expand in their parking lots, now we have no parking on the streets. The residents are going to complain. It, you know, the whole, it opens up Pandora's box, essentially. So that's why I don't feel that that's going to happen. But I'm a believer that they should allow that. I'm, I'm on the side of the restaurant tours because, you know, it, the restaurant tours were hit the hardest in yeah. this pandemic. You know, and I mean, not just from the owners, but all the way down to the employees, you know, the back house guys, you know, the, 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 the chefs, the, the, you know, the guys that clean the dishes, you know what I mean? The guys that take out the trash, all those guys got no support during any of this. Meanwhile, you know, some guys qualified for PPP, but it only lasted for so long. Again, that second shutdown really like crucified everyone in the industry, you know, and I even try to convince ABC. I said, you know, there's a lottery every year where they give away 25 licenses in each county for 15,000 bucks in certain areas like LA, Orange County, San Diego, where they're notoriously known to be around, you know, anywhere as low as 60 grand, as high as a hundred thousand, you know, in Orange County and San Diego, they only gave away so many, they didn't give away 25. I'm telling the ABC, I said, you guys should be giving away 25 of these lottery licenses. You should do another system where you're giving another additional 25 to people who are qualified based on the fact that they have a beer and wine only license. And it's going to help generate people to, to get back on their feet. Of course, the government says, well, it's based off census track and we can't apply more licenses and bullshit, 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 jargon, jargon, jargon. Meanwhile, the restaurateurs are still sitting here suffering. Yeah. You know, so while I would like to think ABC would be, again, empathetic to the restaurateurs and bar owners, in my experience, I've just never seen that. You know what I mean? Like the fact that they're even allowing renewal fees to be extended. I was like, oh, wow, you guys are nice. You know, but that <laughs> I think is going to come to an end, too. You know, think, yeah, so, unfortunately, I do it, think it, you're uh, right. You know, and, but the crazy thing is, is like whether or not you expand your footprint, these restaurants are going to have some of the best months that they've ever had in their entire existence because people are wanting to go back out again. I just had a client there in Claremont, the back Abbey. He's like, literally just last night I had a conversation with him. He's like, we just did our best numbers in our entire existence of owning a liquor license and being open. And now they're like, we want to move over. We're going to go into a upland area and open up another one. So people are going to like the restaurant industry, the bar industry is undefeated. Yes. At times there'll be a dip, but always it's come back. I was doing this during the 2009 recession. Prices had dipped in LA down to 35,000, no buyers. And it was like, Oh my God, what's going to happen within two years. It bumped back up. Yeah. And what's crazy about this pandemic is prices like in, in orange County, for instance, or San Diego, they all went down like bottom barrel numbers. In two weeks since the government said, hey, we're going to start to open things back up, like L.A., for instance, just went up 30 Gs in two weeks prices for licenses. So that just shows you, though, how many people are going to come in for demand, how many people want to open up restaurants still. And the reality is guys like me and you have been locked up in purgatory waiting for things to open back up because we're foodies. Guys like us are going to go out almost every night 
to go enjoy our favorite restaurants because we know consciously that those guys suffer and we also have suffered by not being able to go out and enjoy our favorite drink with our favorite bartender and have that meal with our favorite restaurant tour. A million so percent, all of that's yeah. going to ensue. And I, I really am confident that I try and tell my clients, don't worry. Once the floodgates open, you're almost going to wish like, oh shit, I'm so busy. Like, what do I do? <laughs> you know? I know. I've been the having that conversation. A lot of restaurateurs are facing, and I'm sure you've dealt with this and talking to some of your, 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 you know, your interviews is that restaurateurs are having a tough time finding employees. A million percent. Because everyone wants to go on unemployment now, right? Like you get paid more to go on unemployment than if you were to go work at a restaurant. But what people fail to realize is that that unemployment stream can't, is not, is not forever. At some point, government's going to peel that stuff, but it's, it, it doesn't work like that. You know, you, you government can't run like that. So, once these guys get back on their feet, this industry starts kicking again, which I'm confident it will happen this year. Things will start to feel normal again, you know, and which is why I, ABC will say, look, we're back in action. You guys are making money. We're not expanding footprints anymore. We're, yeah. not, we're not allowing you to do cocktails to go and things like that. But what that'll open up is, is a lot of restaurateurs are going to think, how do we then do that? So maybe some of them are going to start to go on the manufacturing side and create these cocktails and find importers that want to come in and make their, you know, make these drinks. And now they're selling them at whole foods and markets and things like that, you know? So it's a very interesting transition that we're in right now, but I can tell you that demand is picking up. People are, you know, as, as these things open up, people are going to go out and eat and do their thing, you know? Yeah, I completely. Well, it's time for a little commercial. Yeah. I don't know about you, but 2020 had me re-looking at how I live and the space that I live in. Spending so much time at home really had me re-evaluating how certain things worked and didn't in my living space. One of the main things, as an avid home cook and an obvious supporter of restaurants, was gardening. Anybody who enjoys food at all will be able to tell you that something you've grown yourself will taste infinitely better than anything you can buy at a store. That's where Ashley Irene of Heirloom Potager comes in. Heirloom Potager designs, installs, and maintains seasonal culinary gardens for chefs and foodies in Orange County. They provide organic gardening methods and bespoke build-outs used to preserve the heirloom varietals that they'll provide for seeds. An approachable and exciting endeavor, no matter if you're a seasoned restaurateur or a stay-at-home chef. Owner Ashley Irene's experience, expertise, and enthusiasm is only matched by her professionalism. For more information on how you can set up a consultation to get your own culinary garden space set up, go to heirloompotager.com. That's heirloom, H-E-I-R-L-O-O-M, potager, P-O-T-A-G-E-R.com today. Once again, that's heirloompotager.com. The last year provided so many challenges for restaurant owners. Now that they're finally getting a chance to open their doors again to the public, it can only be an exciting thing. However, some of those challenges still remain like hiring new staff after having to let go of them for almost an entire year. That's where Hire Lilo comes in, custom built from the ground up by hospitality professionals. Hire Lilo is your destination for restaurant hiring. Applicants can create resumes on the site, set up meetings, use the virtual messaging system to communicate with potential hirees, and more. Restaurants also have a multitude of options to choose from, including selecting mandatory shifts for specific positions and more. The website is easy to use and is a perfect build-out for the hospitality industry. None of the other fancy stuff are trying to compete with every other industry on the planet for new hires. As I said, it is hospitality-specific, making it your destination for hiring. Using the promo code STAYSTRONG, all one word, you can create a free job posting today and start to fill those hiring voids. Hire Lilo provides on-site help, 
They'll sit down and make sure that your restaurant is set up and properly ready to go and that you can utilize all the features Hire Lilo offers. To learn more or to create an account and get job posting now, go to HireLilo.com. That's H-I-R-E-L-I-L-O.com. Once again, that's HireLilo.com. Do their thing, you know. Yeah, I completely agree with you. Everybody seems to have that same senses. I mean, you're based up in LA. Um, I should note for people who are listening, obviously it's an audio podcast, so people have no idea where we are. Um, I'm in Orange County, but you can you can feel it. Again, I was I was out for a little bit last weekend. It's busy. People are out. You, you know, there's that light at the end there's of the traffic. tunnel. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, there's traffic. I know. I was in L.A. on Friday. I was driving in downtown. I'm like, motherfucker, I missed the pandemic. Like, there was yeah, no traffic no, down there. It's, it's, it's I'm on the 101. I'm like, God bless it. I want right. to you. You brought up something that, again, a lot of people who listen to this podcast are in the industry. A lot of people are not in the industry. And even if the, for the people that are in the industry, I think there's a misunderstanding or at least a lack of comprehension about actual liquor licenses themselves. As somebody who's been doing this for as long as you have, could you kind of lend some of your expertise and educate a little bit on some of these different licenses and what it takes sure. to acquire them? You mentioned the lottery, which is something that I know people look forward to kind of every year. But would you kind of give a background on if I were to start a restaurant right now, how would I go about looking for it? What kind of licenses are there? And what is that process like? Because it's such a sure. it's such a big deal to be able to open no, totally. And it's an intricate, it's an intricate thing. If it wasn't an ABC was so helpful, you, you wouldn't be interviewing me, right? Like I wouldn't even be a liquor license consultant. That term yeah. wouldn't even exist. Right. But because government is government, it's like going to the DMV in a sense. And I'm going to, there are good ABC reps. I'm not going to lie. You know, I'm not going to say they're all bad, mm-hmm. but it's government, you know, they're, they're, they're processing at their pace, not at, at the owner, at the business owner's pace per se. So as a restaurant, there's really two licenses that you're going to look at. There's a type 41, which is a beer and wine only, which is like kind of a standard, you know, if you're kind of entry level as a restaurant and you're you maybe fast casual or, you know, you're, you're someone of maybe, you know, you're, you're not looking to do the full liquor crowd. And there's a lot of restaurant tours that don't want to do the full liquor because they don't want to bring in that crowd per se. It's not about a monetary thing. It's maybe they're, they're really about their food. And so because yeah. they're about their food, well, we want to pair a nice wine with our frise salad. Okay. You know, that's their MO. So they're going to go for a beer and wine type 41. Those are directly issued from ABC. Those licenses, you don't got to buy on the open market. You don't have to find Joe Schmo who closed down. You just go directly to ABC, pay them the fee, file the application, right? Where I come in in that, in that regard is people pay me to go deal with the ABC and transact that permit from start to finish. And so that way they can worry about opening their restaurant. Okay. The bigger license of what I call big brother, big sister is the type 47. And that's the one that you're going to see, like we discussed at a Puesto, you know, that's the one you're going to see at a cheesecake factory or a Buffalo wild wings where you're going in, you're getting a nice margarita or a shot of tequila and a beer and you get a meal. That's going to be your 47. Those licenses are not issued directly from ABC outside of that one lottery season. That 47, you got to buy from someone who's gone out of business or someone who's interested in selling. Maybe their lease is coming up or whatever it may be. They're all transferable though within the the specific county. So if Crawford's got a a restaurant in Orange County and Jason's got a a restaurant in uh, Los Angeles and I'm looking for a full liquor license, I cannot take Crawford's license from OC and move it to LA. Okay, so I got to go find my own guy in LA to buy that license from and transact it. And that 47 goes through an escrow process, goes through an ABC transfer process. And, you know, ABC quotes about three to five months. Once, you know, all the I's are dotted and T's are crossed, ABC approves a license. Crawford's going to get his license and can start serving, you know, and can order your booze from all your distributors and all that kind of good stuff and start slinging your alcohol, you know, start making money essentially is what I tell my clients. Yeah. <laughs> so, and that's why a lot of restaurateurs, 
the liquor license is so important to them because it's, it's a large part of their revenue, especially when you're running off full liquor. You know, when you get a bottle of Jack from the wholesaler for 10 bucks and you're selling a Jack and Coke for $10, every pour after that first Jack and Coke is profit. Mm -hmm. So the restaurant tours are saying to themselves that liquor license is like the most important piece to getting revenue done. Now, if your service sucks, if your food's shitty, things like that, that's going to affect your business, obviously. But booze, you really, it's really tough to fuck up a, a drink. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, it's really tough to pour a bad gin and tonic. You know what I'm saying? And usually the bad ones are just not enough alcohol. You know what I mean? Rarely do you get someone complaining like, oh, my gin and tonic is too strong. It's like, no, 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 keep giving that to me. So in, in respect, that 47, that's why those are tend to be the most popular. And again, the reason why ABC doesn't directly issue those is because of the liability involved with full liquor. It's a lot harder to get drunk off a bottle of wine than it is to get drunk off a bottle of gin. You know what I mean? The feeling of drinking a whole bottle of wine versus drinking a whole bottle of gin is completely different. You're not spinning at the end of the night on a bottle of wine, but you're spinning on that bottle of gin after you yeah, consume the Yeah, yeah, no, you're gone for about two days after a good bottle of yeah. gin. That's true. <laughs> Especially as we get older, it's almost like two weeks you're out of commission. You know what I oh mean? Oh, my God, so, I know. There's not enough vacation days in the world for a hard Sunday fun day. That's it's you know, so, so scary. It's, it's, yeah, exactly. you got to retire yourself at a certain age on the Sunday fun days, but... <laughs> That's the and then you know bars what they go for because there's no food requirement is either a type 42 which is a beer and wine 21 and over you don't have to have a kitchen or any of that stuff no menu and it's beer and wine only you go when you drink and then the big brother big sister of that is a 48 so a 48 is like your typical bar that you walk into there's peanuts you know some like cocktail cashews there is no menu there's no kitchen there's no hamburgers that you're gonna get there's no steak it's a bar. You're there or to like drink. A nightclub, yeah. you know, in LA, Hollywood, all the nightclubs, those are all 48 licenses. Those guys are not running on 47s. Those are those two 48s you got to buy on the open market. Now, what people tend to fail to realize is a 48 and a 47 are interchangeable. So sometimes you'll talk to a, a, a seller or a, a licensee and they own a 48 and they say, well, no, my license is worth more because it's a 48. It's like, no, you pay this, this state $100 and they're going to change that eight into a seven. And it's like, mind blown. <laughs> like, wait, what? I'm like, yeah, I hate to be the bearer of bad news, but that's how it works. And the same goes as switching a 47 to a 48. I'm sure where a lot of your uh, clientele like, or your, your, your interviews come from, these restaurant tours, what they run into is approval from the city. It's never the ABC that's the complicated part. It's the city. So if we want to go into like Encinitas and we want to be a titty bar, good luck. Right. Because Encinitas, very friendly neighborhood, a lot of residential. They're going to be like, we don't want that stuff here. Right. Uh, you go into like uh, like, let's say Hollywood in L.A. You might be able to get away with that then because there's a lot of bars. It's a, it's it's not so there's like an like a commercial area in Hollywood where it's not all residents, per se. You know, so depending on where you're going will dictate whether or not you're going to get approval for that. So that's that becomes the more difficult part is people are like, I want to open up a bar here. Well, dude, that's in the middle of a residential neighborhood. There's no way you're going to get approved for that. No one wants a bar in the middle of their neighborhood, yeah. right? But if you're a restaurant and you're like, you know, here's what we offer and here's the type of food we're doing and it's different from everyone else. Now, all of a sudden, the community is going to want to support you for that. Yeah. So restaurants tend to be a lot easier to get approved than nightclubs. And that's why you see certain restaurants open to like 10 p.m. with a menu and then, and then a DJ comes on to two, it's a yeah. fucking nightclub you know and, <laughs> and they're trying to skate kind of what you know what the laws with ABC to do that you know and so that that really is where the complicated part is is more city stuff but yeah the 47 48s you got to acquire 41s 42s you just get directly from ABC 
ABC overall is quoting about three to five months to process a transfer. And that's if your location's like ready, set, go. If let's say you're, you have an empty parcel and you're going to take 18 months to build out, you're not going to get your liquor license until, you know, 18 months until you're really ready. Your kitchen's yeah. in, your bathrooms are in and things like that. So I want to, I want to talk about something that no doubt you've dealt with. And I, I actually, one of the things that brainstormed this entire podcast was I, I was talking to somebody who was potentially dealing with this and your name came up as somebody that they were working with. Um, Obviously, it, and I don't want to, and I want to kind of stay on track here and not delve into the reasons. Uh, when we were shut down, certain people did reopen, kind of regardless, balls to the walls. Obviously, you know that's a whole other conversation on whether that was survival right. or it was just kind of a fuck you <laughs> to the government. <laughs> sure. But obviously, what came with that were suspensions of licenses, things like that, fines from the ABC. What is your role and how do you work as a consultant with a restaurant that's now dealing with a violation of that sort? Again, mandated or not, that's a whole separate conversation. But what is your role like working with restaurants to manage those type of situations? So, right. So when someone retains me, like, let's say, again, they got a suspension or they got a poik. A poik is a a penalty, right? It's like you got to pay a fine and you're going to be suspended for 15 days and things like that. Really what it is, is with the government and what I've learned in my experience is that there's certain points you can argue. And if those points are valid, you'll get through. But if you don't have any valid points to argue, the government is not going to sit there and say, okay, well, we'll, we'll take consideration into it being a pandemic. They still look at it as rules are rules. So if let's say one of the rules was that, Hey, this is shut down. You cannot be open. Like we are not allowing restaurants to operate right now. And there are plenty of them, as you know, that we're like, fuck it. I'm, I'm, I'm opening. I don't, mm-hmm. I'm like, fuck you. This is my livelihood, you know? And I understand that I'm totally, I get that. Like I, Sometimes I say to myself, if I was in their shoes, I'd probably do the same thing because you don't have any other option. Are you gonna, you can't go on food stamps. Like you're, you're, you're fucking business owner, right? Mm-hmm. So when that happened, those guys understood I'm taking the risk in doing this. And I have a lot of people that will call me and say, can't we just reason with them? We're in a pandemic. Can't they just give us a slap on the wrist and say, hey, it's going to be okay? But then I say to them, I give them an example and I try to give a severe example. I say, Guns are legal, right? Yeah. Does it, is it legal to just start shooting people? Absolutely not. So it's like, yes, it, it's legal for you to have this liquor license. You own it. But if the government mandates that you have to shut down, it becomes illegal then for you to utilize that. And again, that's there's this empathetic side of me that's like, I get what you're trying to do as a business owner, me being a small business owner too, but rules are rules for yeah. the government. You know what I'm saying? And so if someone Crawford got, you know, suspended on his license, Crawford calls Jason says, Hey dude, I need help. How the hell do we get through with this? You're going to retain me and I'm going to make the overtures to ABC. I'm going to talk to the enforcement department. I'm going to talk to the representative. I'll even go all the way up to general counsel, whose name is Matt Botting and say, Hey, how do we alleviate this? This is what's going on. This is what his intention or her intention was. It was not out of malice. They made a mistake. Are you really going to shut them down and do this, this, and this? And more so it's not even about like, I'm going to shut you down. It's, it's more so like, can we waive the fine? You know, my bad. I'm desperate, man. Can we waive it? And we'll try and reason and i'll be frank with you a lot of times when you reason on that side they won't budge they'll just be like this is what it is guys these are the rules you know and so like i'll what i'll do is i'll try and convince the abc instead of finding the client i'll say just give them a suspension on the license especially during that time because you can't fucking operate during that time anyway so yeah, if you yeah, suspend yeah. the license it's not like it affects the guy but once you say no i'm fining you 10 grand or whatever it may be that's money out of that restaurateur's pocket that he could be using to pay his rent to stay afloat or whatever it may be. So at, during the 
pandemic, I'm trying to push, Hey, just suspend them for two weeks, suspend it for 15 days. So that, cause then it teaches them a lesson. You can't operate. It's by law. It's this. And then the, the client feels a little bit better. Cause like, dude, at least I don't have to come out of pocket. You, you know what I'm saying? It's nothing worse than they are oh, ABC. Here's a check. And then also you're going to shut me down for 15 days. So I try and work it to where whatever the least consequence is, that's what I try and go for. Right. It's like any, it's like an attorney when they're, when they, if, if, if you're defending someone that you know is guilty, you're trying to mitigate the damage. So if the, if the, if the, if the, if the cause of action is you're, you know, max, max prison sentence is 15 years. Every attorney tries to get five years. Yeah. My client's guilty there. I'm not, I'm not saying they're not, but rather than 15, can we get five for these reasons? So it's the same kind of application towards the ABC stuff. You know? Yeah. I get my client is wrong. We're no one's disputing that, but how do we work it together collectively because of this particular situation? And that has never happened in entire in our entire existence, a pandemic like this, you know what I mean? Like, I don't care how old you are. No one has gone through something like this before in the United States. Like, you know, like we never no one. So the reality is, is that, this is a special case and we have to make exceptions for that, you yeah. know, and that's been going across, not just from ABC, but from landlords, like everything has been like that. So that's really what you try to argue. But once we again, get out of that and, and let's say you're suspended because you served to a minor and then you want to continue to keep serving. There's no saving you from that because it's like, you know, what you're doing is wrong. You know, at least with the pandemic, you can leverage that. Like, Hey, we're in a pandemic, you know, I need to do something. So without the pandemic that you got no excuse. True. So that, that's, that then becomes a tough part after the fact, you know? So from these kind of sound of things, obviously reopening, we're only going to get to use the pandemic as an excuse, hopefully for not that much longer. Obviously right. people are, should be able to milk it for as long as they can. What does the future look like for you? I mean, so you're up in Los Angeles, obviously kind of, it's been one of the last kind of bastions to open, but everything is yeah. opening. I have this feeling that even though we lost a great amount of restaurants, you know, bars, I think that casualty total is probably just getting counted as so many of them were gone for about a year total, which is sad. Yeah. But as you said, you did this in 2009, you know, about a year or two later, everything was bumping again. You can't keep the hospitality industry down. What does the future look like for you? Are you basically just kind of getting ready to just start pushing and flying as these licenses oh, open it's up? Already, and, it's already hit me. I'll, I'll be honest with you. Everyone got a vacation last year in a sense. You know what I mean? Mentally, you just didn't have to work and things like that. And, and I was fortunate enough to where people still need a consultation for liquor licenses during a mm -hmm. pandemic, like you said, with getting suspended or trying to just find their way of what they're going to do with their license. You know what I mean? For me now that the, like everyone's out and about trying to get liquor licenses and wanting to open up, people see it. They're like, it's going it, to, it's happening. We're back. And this turnaround will be significantly faster than the recession that we went through in 2009, because there's still money out there. It's not like shit's blown up as far as economically, you know what I mean? Luckily, well, thus far, let's, let's yeah. not wouldn't hope that we keep going down the right path economically, <laughs> but as long as we're going down this path, you know, we're, licenses are going to, prices are going to turn up again. Buyers are going to be there. There's going to be sellers. People are going to make money off their restaurants. It's going to come back quicker than that 2009 recession. And with that being said, like I, I'm just going to get busier, which I'm all about. You know what I mean? I'm all about the hustle. I'm, you know, we're both athletes. You know what I mean? That's kind of the mentality is you, you know, never give up and you got to keep pushing and kind of, you know, take care of shit, you know, handle business. And so that's what will ensue for me. It'll get crazy. It'll get busy, but you know, such is life, you know? And for me, I've been running into more during the pandemic where I was dealing with a lot of investor guys. So international money was coming in to buy up places. Why? Because they can take up a lease in LA and, and sit on it for a year and afford it. Right. Yeah. 
me, I want, I'm hoping that more so as this turns that the mom and pops can come back. The small business owners can come back from this and they're able to open up and they're able to find favorable leases with landlords and things like that. Because I'm a firm believer that look, as much as I love my big, big, big dick clients that have all the money in the world that don't bat an eye at whatever the cost is. Again, as I said earlier, there's a empathetic side of me that sees these small business owners and I don't want to see them get pushed out because I really am a firm believer that we run the economy, these small business owners. And, you know, when I go eat at a restaurant, I really try and make sure that, you know, like the chef is, is the owner. You know what I mean? It's his blood, sweat and tears that are going into the product. You know, it's his vision that he's seeing because it's his, it's his art, you know, or her art, whatever it may be. And so that I think, I hope is, is really what kind of increases is that we stop getting investor money coming in per se or international money. And it's more so like actual mom and pops that are trying to run their restaurant, you know, with their vision and with their, with their interest, you know what I mean? And I'm thinking that, 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 that will be the case because in normal times, that's how it is. A lot of the clientele that I deal with are mom and pops, you know, it's like, Hey, I've never owned a restaurant before, but my brother ran one and he's going to help me. And I want to start my own. And, and I like, I love to see those guys through it. Like I, I'll give you an example, Puesto started with their one little location in La Jolla mm-hmm. and the thought of now opening seven, eight of them. It's like, Whoa, what happened? You know? And I'm kind of telling my guys, I'm like, please don't have like Taco Bell buy you out because still <laughs> <laughs> to me, even though they own eight or nine, 10 restaurants, it's the same guys that are working to controlling it and kind of seeing them through and stuff like that. They don't pass it off to a, to a consulting firm to say, okay, you deal all this. We're just going to collect the check. They're still hiring their own employees. They're still interviewing people, all that kind of stuff, you know? So that's what I love to see is when a mom and pop starts as one and they grow and they grow and they grow and they grow, you know, but I got to tell you the depressing thing about this industry is no one's undefeated, right? Like there's how many restaurants have you seen around for 50 years? There's a handful yeah, it's true. You know, most yeah. of them are out after a certain time. And, and I would tell you, most of them are out within one year if they don't do it right. You know, which, it, and that pains me. There's nothing worse than when I sell a guy a license in January and he's calling me in December being like, I'm going bankrupt. I need you to sell my license. Like that, that crushes me. You know what I mean? Now as a businessman, I got to go do what I got to go do. But as a person, as a human being, I'm looking at him like, is there a way we can salvage this? Or are you mm-hmm. really so fucked that you just, you, you're out? He's like, oh, I'm filing bankruptcy. It's like, and that happens a lot. You yeah. know what I mean? And that's what... That's the, that's the fear in the industry. That's why a lot of people like don't open up a restaurant, but man, you know, when someone's passion is their passion, you can't tell them no. <laughs> right? No, that's so, completely true. And I, and I love seeing, you know, people's passion when they want to open up a restaurant or when they want to open up a bar or a hotel, whatever it may be that inquire that requires a liquor license, you know? Well, brother, your passion is a hundred percent there. And I'm super, super glad that you were able to take some time and sit down and, and drop some knowledge and kind of educate a little bit. If people want to get in touch with you, follow you, whether it's on social media or reach out to you for consultants or business aspects or anything like that regarding their licenses, where can fil- uh, folks do that? Yeah. So I have an Instagram handle, AAA Liquor License Consulting. So AAA Liquor License Consulting. You can find me there. You can go to my website, AAA Liquor License Consulting.com. You'll see my ugly mug on there. You know about us, all my, you know, some of the clientele that I work with. Uh, I'll even plug my number. You can call me if you want, 310-614-8274. I'm here all day long. You know, I'm a pretty aggressive guy. So if you need something, I get it done. And you know, outside of that, uh, you know, it's it's just making sure that people understand that there's there, there are good consultants out there to help them out. You know what yeah. I mean? And if you're in need, you call me, you get taken care of. Well, Jason, thank you so much, man. I cannot tell you how much I appreciate this. Again, as somebody who is all self-taught in this industry, I'm still learning shit every day, and I definitely learned something from this one. 
I appreciate the time, my man. Be well, stay busy, keep your clients happy, and I cannot wait to finally grab a drink with you once we are on the other side of this thing. You got it, my man. Thank you so much for the opportunity, bro. It's been a pleasure. No worry, man. Talk to you soon. All right. Take care. Thank you so much to Jason for taking the time to sit down and chat. That was very educating, even for somebody like me who's obsessed with the hospitality industry. I hope that you got something out of it as well. And if you're a hospitality professional listening to this, you're thinking of opening your own place, maybe you own a restaurant right now, please reach out to him if you need his services at all. Um, That's a shameless plug. He has no ad affiliation with the show or anything like that. He's a friend. I like what he does. He works with some great clients. And he's someone who's very passionate about this, having done it for 20 years. He's seen the highs. He's seen the lows. He knows what he's doing. And he's got a lot of really good knowledge and a lot of great connections to drop with folks and help you succeed. Um, I hope you enjoyed the episode. This was a fun one for me. Thank you to the sponsors for this episode, HireLilo.com and HeirloomPotage.com. Don't forget that you can follow me on Instagram at TheBestSeats, C-E-A-T-S, but you already know that. Almost 50 episodes in. Go to TheBestSeats.com for more. Patreon.com slash TheBestSeats. You know all this. I hope you stay safe out there. Keep having fun. Tip well. Stay off Yelp. Do the good things. Live well and often. I'll see you soon. Take care. The Best Seats Podcast is an original production of The Best Seats. It is written, edited, produced, and owned by myself, Rafa McCarthy, founder and owner of The Best Seats. It is recorded in Aliso Viejo, California. It is subsidized through generous donations through patreon.com slash the best seats. The following are names that have subscribed at the highest tier, aka norm status, and thus allow me to produce the show each and every episode. Thank you for the bottom of my heart. Here are the supporters. Alexander Cook, Cheryl McCarthy, Elliot, George Pavlov, Serena Warino, Pizza Guy 92. Thank you for your support. Thank you so much to Jason for taking the time to sit down and chat. That was very educating, even for somebody like me who's obsessed with the hospitality industry. I hope that you got something out of it as well. And if you're a hospitality professional listening to this, you're thinking of opening your own place, maybe you own a restaurant right now, please reach out to him if you need his services at all. Um, That's a shameless plug. He has no ad affiliation with the show or anything like that. He's a friend. I like what he does. He works with some great clients. And he's someone who's very passionate about this, having done it for 20 years. He's seen the highs, he's seen the lows, he knows what he's doing, and he's got a lot of really good knowledge and a lot of great connections to drop with folks and help you succeed. Um, I hope you enjoyed the episode. This was a fun one for me. Thank you to the sponsors for this episode, HireLilo.com and HeirloomPotage.com. Don't forget that you can follow me on Instagram at the best seats, C-E-A-T-S, but you already know that. Almost 50 episodes in. Go to TheBestSeats.com for more. Patreon.com slash TheBestSeats. You know all this. I hope you stay safe out there. Keep having fun, tip well, stay off Yelp, do the good things, live well and often. I'll see you soon. Take care. The Best Seats Podcast is an original production of The Best Seats. It is written, edited, produced, and owned by myself, Rafa McCarthy, founder and owner of The Best Seats. It is recorded in the Liso Viejo, California. It is subsidized through generous donations through patreon.com slash the best seats. The following are names that have subscribed at the highest tier, aka norm status, and thus allow me to produce the show each and every episode. Thank you for the bottom of my heart. 
Here are the supporters. Alexander Cook, Cheryl McCarthy, Elliot, George Pavlov, Serena Warino, Pizza Guy 92. Thank you for your support.